0: Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the 440 Guitar Podcast. My name is Jarrell Powell. Thank you so much for tuning up. You can catch the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor.fm forward slash 440. Be sure to follow the Instagram on the 440 Guitar Podcast just so you can get all the updates on all the upcoming episodes uh, that are coming out. Uh, so while we are practicing social distancing at this time, we have a great episode for you guys. Uh, we have an outstanding uh, guest who is a professional guitarist, guitar instructor, uh, producer, and has played with multiple musicians and bands. Uh, just to give you a sense of who he's played with, he's played with uh, uh, Ty Dolla Sign, Lettucey, Tori Kelly, and many, many others that I haven't mentioned uh, he has over a million views on YouTube on his YouTube channel, and has well over 131,000 followers and subscribers on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram combined. And without further ado, uh, Carrie Too Smooth Marshall, Carrie, how are you?
1: Oh man, thanks, man. I'm great, man. How are you? I'm
0: good, man. Trying to, yeah, just like I was saying off air, just trying to, <laughs> just trying to stay sane
1: right now. Man, I think I think we all are, man. So yeah, you know, we're doing what we can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Has has social distancing been okay for you during these crazy times?
1: Honestly, man, it, it's good. Um, I, I'll tell you why. Like a lot of times people are like wondering, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? For the most part, man, like I'm doing majority of my business from my house anyway. So like I've been practicing social distancing um, because as you already probably know, or maybe some of our listeners, um, you don't tour every single day. Right. So for me as being a, a session touring musician, you don't do sessions every single day. So a lot of the stuff has already been me just being from the house, working from the house. So this is kind of like the norm for me, you know?
0: Nice. So nothing's really changed for you.
1: (laughs) No, not really. Like, which is cool. You know, it allows me just to really just work on my routine. I I take this time that, you know, that we're, you know, not doing any kind of touring or what, just to really fine tune my craft and really just put more time into my company, which is really cool.
0: Awesome. 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 Well, glad to hear, glad to hear that. Um, Most definitely. So, on the 440 Guitar Podcast, we're really big on the origin story, just kind of getting a sense and background and just details of what, you know, a creative such as yourself goes through uh, during their, yeah. you know, their musical journey. Uh, so, just just to start off,
1: um, how did uh, music become a footprint in your life? I mean, music has always been a footprint in my life. My dad used to, back in the day, this is when a tracks was kind of like the vibe. We'd always play like 8-track records. I remember him playing like um, um, people all over the time i was just like man music was everywhere he mm. wasn't a bass player himself but he had a bass that okay. was in the house so like on saturdays he would try to like you know just vibe out with like you know these different kind of records mm. he had like a lot of al green that was playing and you know we trying to learn how to play so music was everywhere and then like me growing up in church and singing it all the time i'm like man like all the people that played music were like rock stars to me so i wanted mm. to emulate what they did all the time
0: oh wow so you had um see so you you had a connection in music really from from the very beginning when it came to your your Mm -hmm. father's music and then also just uh, going to the church as well
1: yeah definitely it was
0: everywhere nice very nice um so you said al green what what other um what other types of music that was played around the house that uh, that inspired you any specific types of songs where you're like wow like i really want to Learn that or just that song really stuck with me
1: well i mean it was just like hearing the music seeing my dad play and him talk about like inspiring to want to play and then i was so fixated when i'm going to church like the guitar player to me was like a rock star Mm -hmm. you know how like you you watch these different movies and everything's going in slow motion and the wind is blowing and you see all these lights and smoke and like you're like everybody's so so enamored with the person that's literally what it was like for me whenever he was playing i didn't matter I mean, I couldn't tell, like, you know, I was six, I couldn't tell if it was good or bad, Mm. but in my eyes, I was like, that's what I want to do. So my cousins and I, we would like, quote unquote, play church on the weekends. And so whenever we were playing church, I always had to be the guitar player. didn't matter if somebody (laughs) else wanted to take turns. I'm like, nah, man, I'm I'm the guitar player. And that really became like, you know, the very essence of what I wanted to walk in every day.
0: Mm. Very cool. Very cool. Um so speaking about i know you mentioned how the guitar player of your church who's you know definitely uh an inspiration um as far as just you becoming interested in the in the instrument um what are some guitar players that uh you know now that you uh kind of consider your your guitar hero so to speak or just people that you really look up uh that you look up
1: to yeah um starting with Jubu Smith, I think Jubu Smith really was the guy that kinda gave me the foundation of the way that I play like mm. he and i. I can't play exactly like Jibu Smith because he's, to me, he's on a whole nother level. Mm. But there's elements, a lot of elements in his playing. Him, the way that he uses the tremelo bar, and the way he does like certain bends or like certain kind of chord. Like, I I take a lot of stuff from him. And then Eric Walls, Mm. to me, is like one of the most complete players. Like, when you listen to him play, um, I've luckily been thankfully like blessed where I've I've met him in person and also had to sub in for a lot of different gigs for him. Oh, wow. But understand how full and how like, his sound is so complete that I've, I've gotten a chance to really study the nuances of him. Mm. Um, another player that, like most of us, like coming up in this game, Jarius Mosey was one of those guys, Agape Jerry. Yeah. Um, now, um, if you're looking at guys like Isaiah Sharkey, who's a good friend of mine, phenomenal guitar player. Um, and then one of the OGs in the game that kind of started a lot of stuff for us was Kevin Wilson in Spanky. Spanky Alfred was, I mean, hands down is like the godfather for a lot of people that play my particular style. Mm. I mean, I really love, you know, Mateus Asado, the way he stuff that he does. Uh, Mark Leteri, Tim Stewart. I mean, and then like, I think about guys outside of my genre a little bit, like guys like Eric Johnson um, I look at guys like Steve Ray Vaughn, Jimi Hendrix, of course, B.B. Mm. Um, King, Muddy Waters, like a lot of those guys. I, so I feel like my style is like a pot of gumbo. Mm. There's a lot that's in there. You know, you dig your hands in there, you'll find this in there. You listen closely, you'll hear elements of that. I've kind of just made it like my own, you know, so I have borrowed from a lot of different players and kind of made my own unique style.
0: Nice. Very nice. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those, it's funny, a lot of those guys I've, I've resonated with, um, you know, personally myself especially when you're mentioning uh uh isaiah sharkey and uh and Jari, yeah. say. i feel it's interesting because i feel like i don't it it's funny when i when i discover certain pieces of music and i'm like is this have these people always been doing this <laughs> like i find them like these are incredible
1: man they've been doing this for years man they've been doing this stuff for years and that's yeah. the crazy part about it. like a lot of people don't know man like A lot of these things, like when you listen to Tony, Tony, Tony back in the day and realize that that was Jubu Smith on those records. Mm. You know, when you listen to a lot of like uh, D'Angelo, that was like Spanky Alfred, like playing that kind of, you know, like a lot of that stuff. So it's just like understanding like the nuances of these guys have been out there Mm. uh, because, you know, social media wasn't so big. So we didn't know who was doing what. We just know that we liked it. yeah. And so, you know. Being one of those guys who's a connoisseur, I, I went back and started doing my research to start realizing, like, oh my God, this guy was on this record? Right. Man, I can't believe, like, um, I believe it's a it's a Mario song or, like, an Amario song. I, I think a Marion song is, like, always in forever, that little riff. Mm. And I didn't realize that was J-Mo who did that. Oh, wow. But I love, that riff, and so there's a lot of guitar players who emulate, who want to learn that line, not realizing that came from J-Mo when he was, like, super, super young. Wow. He was, like, maybe 16, 17, like, when he did this stuff, so, like, you know, there's so much guitar music and influences out there, but when you go back to do your research, you realize that, man, I didn't even know that these guys were doing that stuff. They've been doing this stuff for years.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, It even um, I remember when I really started to dig into um, – just just all types music of all types um after high school and just like looking at motown and hearing about the the funk brothers and how they would they would be a part of almost every motown song you know and having no idea you know so it's just like wow you had no idea and man it's wild um so uh you know you've been i would i would say for i would say that you've you know you've uh, been pretty prominent you've met some pretty prominent people in the music industry and you know, you've played uh, some, you know, you've had some, you've had some great opportunities playing with, you know, a lot of uh, amazing musicians and just yourself just playing and getting uh, right. getting exposure. Um, I wanted to see if there is any kind of um, just, just like really interesting stories or motivational stories of certain people maybe that you've worked with um, that you can share a story.
1: Oh, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you guys a very interesting story that okay. like I didn't even know how this worked out. Mm. But let's just say uh this was probably maybe four or five years ago mm-hmm. i was out with jason derulo and we were getting ready to do isles of malta mm-hmm. and so we're on the flight and the person who i sit beside is a person that like i've been wanting to meet for for forever and i've wanted to work with forever mm-hmm. the person i was sitting right beside on my flight was tori kelly oh. and i was like so i'm like oh my god so i'm fanning i'm fangirling out i'm like i'm like <laughs> fanboy i'm like oh my god it's tori kelly um, I know you don't have on makeup, but, like, you know, when we get there and you get your makeup on, you carefully take a picture.
0: Yeah.
1: And she was like, yeah. You know, it probably was like, who is this random dude? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, you know, so she was like, you know, she was super, super nice. She didn't, like, you know, she didn't ghost me. She didn't act Hollywood, nothing. And she was super, super nice. But I could tell, like, she was like, who is this random guy yeah. asking for my picture? <laughs> you know? And I was explaining, like, yo, I play guitar for Jason DiBullo. You know, so... When you're on these flights, honestly, you know when you meet people out, people can tell you everything and they can tell you anything because the power of social media. You, you feel like you know somebody, right? So she be like, "Uh, okay, like, cool." <laughs> so we get there, we're doing sound check, and like after we do sound check, she sees my face again. So she's like, "Oh, so like you are legit? Like you aren't just making this up, right? You know?" And they come off stage, whatever. So um, we're backstage right before we get ready to go on. I'm like, "Hey, Tori, you know, I remember." She was like, "Yeah, let's take a picture." Mm. Fast forward to like maybe six years later, I get a call from um, Anthony Evans and he was like, yo, Tori Kelly's doing this gospel album and Kurt Franklin. And they're looking for somebody to like do all their live videos for YouTube and also do some of the performances on late night TV. Would you be interested? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, is this really, like we're really doing this stuff for Tori Kelly? He was like, yeah. I'm like, man, please don't play. Like I'm <laughs> a huge fan of Tori <laughs> Kelly. Like don't build me up. And then they'd be like, you know right. what I'm saying? Somebody else not even like, already falls through. Because those things happen in the industry. So we get to rehearse. So we're at center staging and we're going over the music. I'm all excited. I'm like, oh my God. I'm, like I'm working with some of my idols, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Kurt Franklin is a huge guitar, you know, I mean, musical influence, especially in the gospel community. Yeah. And then before he walks in and I'm like, oh my God. And she remembered me mm. from when we were sitting like, on, in the same seats and from like, Isles of Malsa. And I was like, man, you never know. How when you meet somebody like years later that it'll come full circle and you work with that person again. Cause she's always been on my list for somebody for me to work with.
0: Wow. That's yeah, that's crazy how that how that came full circle for you. I'm
1: telling you, cause and what was crazy is everybody that was in Drillo's band wanted to have my seat. They were like, yo, smooth. Sw- hey, hey, let's switch these, let's switch these. I'm like, nah, man. Like, <laughs> no. Like, nah, bro. Like, listen, Tori, you guys, listen, you guys like Tori, but I I, I like Tori, but I love her music. Like, I, I want to sit here, like, in this seat. Like, this is happening. Cool. But everybody's like, yo, Smoke, man, what's up? What's up? Yo, can I hear your seat? I'm like, nah, bro. <laughs> so, this is crazy how everything worked out. And then, like, you know, years later, we wind up working together. So, that was really cool. Awesome. Awesome.
0: That's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. That's a, that's a, that's, man, that's no a problem. problem. No problem. That's a fun story. Um, So, so, uh, I I was doing a little bit of research on you and I, um, found that you, you served in the United States army. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was in the army for eight years. Wow.
0: Well, well, first of all, thank you for your service. Um, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Of course. Um, so I, I remember reading about how you felt, um, there are some, there are some takeaways when you did serve that kind of helped you with um with uh, gu- with guitar in some way shape or form um how did mm-hmm. how, how do you feel that being in the service uh, impacted you uh, playing guitar
1: yeah so when you're in the service you you know you work on you know structural things like discipline mm-hmm. um being a guitar player especially when you're on your own and you have to have that discipline of getting up daily and working on your craft that's that takes a lot you know nobody's telling you hey Smoo, you got to get up and play, like having that self-discipline having that self-awareness. The military is really big about your personal appearance. When you're going out with these different artists, like you got to look the part, you you know. So I use all of those elements that I use in the Army to be successful. And I just took them and be like, you know what, I'm going to apply them to my principles as a guitar player. There are a lot of, you know, like I didn't go to school specifically for music. I took lessons when I was in high school, but I went to school for criminal justice, mm. which is completely like in a different, you know, field right. from playing music. But the mindset and the approach of how I you know, wanted to be a successful soldier about being disciplined, being on time, knowing my job, looking the part, I applied all of those principles because I realized, you know, as an artist and a creative, a lot of people that do music are just kind of like free-flowing. I don't I don't want to use the term like hippie, mm-hmm. but hippie in the approach of the sense like there's no... Nobody's telling you specifically what to do. Now, there are times when people will be like, okay, lobby call and such and such, but it's like it's a lot of free-flowing. So there's a lot of room and a lot of space for you to kind of have your own... And you can, you can find yourself falling through the cracks. And I was like, I wanna be disciplined enough because I started in the game like kind of late, you know, for me. Like, I didn't come straight out of high school and be like, I wanna start playing guitar. Right. I, I, lived, I went to the army, I got out, you know, I went back to school, I was selling life insurance as a personal trainer. I did everything else besides play guitar. And then one day, I was like, I wanna I to try to do this at the highest level. I wanna be able, when I call out a name for somebody that I play with, everybody automatically knows versus I, I gotta sit here and try to sing this song. And because they don't want me to feel bad, they're like, "Oh yeah, I know exactly who." But I can tell they have no clue of the artist that I'm talking about. Yeah. So I want to apply those same principles because I knew that I, if I could be successful in the military, I can definitely be successful as a as a guitarist as a professional musician.
0: Right. Absolutely. And you um you said something that I found interesting. You you talked about how you started playing guitar at a later time frame. Did do you feel yeah. do you feel that it was more challenging
1: for you when you went through that? Honestly, yeah, because I mean, I would go to these auditions, right? And I, you know, how you're self conscious about like, oh my God, I'm 27, and these guys are like 17, 18, 19. Right? How can I compete with them? Because they're, you know, it's the artist is already young. What am I gonna do? So I, in my mind, I'm like, I've already lived life, man. I wish I w- would have done this. So you're always like, you know, having moments of regret in your mind, like I should have started straight out of high school. But if I started straight out of high school, my skill level wasn't the same. Like my mm-hmm. mindset, my discipline was not the same. So, you know, when you get there, you would always second get your, yourself and just realize that, you know what, I had to get to a point like I'm supposed to be here. I can do this. I don't have to look like I'm 19, but I can definitely look the part. So that's when I realized that it's all about mindset. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really started to structure myself and realize, like, listen, those same principles – that you had in the military apply those now how I, how I would beat a lot of my competition i'm going to show up on time mm. a lot of those guys that are 17 18 19 may not show up on time right i'm going to already cut in the park <laughs> you know the, half of the battle is showing up on time mm. i'm going to make sure i know the song you know i'm going to make sure my gear is right so like those same attention to details that they may not have gotten at that young of age even though they were younger they didn't already have those kind of like skill sets going into like these auditions or being called for these artists to kind of fulfill these roles
0: right very interesting no that makes a lot of sense too and it's funny because i i um i was big on um i was big on uh well i still am as far as being a a jazz enthusiast rather um and it reminds me of uh are you familiar with the jazz player tal Farlow? i'm sure you are yeah, yeah mm-hmm. this is how he started like he started jazz like at 22 you know playing yeah. jazz guitar and like in the you know obviously in the music world it's like
2: that's like you're 80 years old and it's like how, you, how you, exactly exactly so yeah you know but now he's like what you know he's one of the renowned jazz players and he didn't even you know he didn't read music at all too so i think just thinking of that and thinking exactly yeah and then just hearing from your story as well just I feel like it really just solidifies what you say as far as
1: taking those transferable skills and really buying it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like when I, when I think about it, when I really, when I, now that I'm kind of like going back in my mind, the only time that your age really matters, like, okay, when we're doing auditions, you got to write down how old you are. But none of the artists that I played for were like, yo, smooth, how old are you? And then when I would tell them, they were like, what? We thought you was like that. And I was like, nah. I'm like, I'm 27. Like when I first started, I was like, yeah, I'm 27. Like they were like, what? That's crazy, man, bro. We thought that you was like 22 or like one of us. Oh, wow. And it's all about like nobody how you carry yourself, you know. And and as I was telling people, especially a lot of my students, like being a guitarist and when you playing, like has no expiration date. It Doesn't matter when you start. It's how you carry yourself. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like if you go in for a job interview, you got to look the part. You can't go on. If I'm going in for a corporate job, I can't look like I cut grass and expect them to hire me. That's just not going to happen. right? Regardless if I'm really, like, I may be super intelligent, but if I don't look the part, they're going to be like, bro, like, you're here for the wrong interview. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I understood. And then it's just about people skills. If you have good people skills, if you can relate, you can hold conversations and you're like, you're not a crappy person. Mm -hmm. Then 9 times out of 10, that's half the battle. I learned, you know, you're only on stage for maybe like 45 minutes, maybe an hour and a half, maybe an hour and 45 minutes depending on, but you're on that tour bus forever. Right. You know, you're off the you're on this plane, you're in those hotels, you're, and if you're just like, a horrible person, nobody really cares how talented you are. So, understanding all of those different elements, a lot of my young, younger counterparts when we first started playing or we do auditions, they didn't understand that. They just thought it was more about like, well, I can play whatever, and then that whole arrogance of I'm the man or, you know, wherever I'm from. Mm-hmm. And that was just like, it drove a wedge and it put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Uh, you know what
0: I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then that point, you know, if you're ruining relationships, I mean, that you're kind of putting yourself in a coffin when it comes to just your career in the future. So,
1: But when you're young, a lot of times you don't understand that. You don't yeah. understand the important, like how important relationships are. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so for those of you who don't know, um, uh, Carrie is also a... A uh, professional guitar instructor uh, teaches R&B style guitar playing. Uh, I wanted to ask you what your passions were for for one, teaching guitar, and then specifically focusing on on R&B because I think that's I think that's a that's a very interesting um, approach when it comes to uh, teaching guitar. Yeah.
1: So initially, I'll let you know, when I first came to L.A., teaching was not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I fought it for years. I was like, man, I'm not trying to teach, man. I'm trying to go on tour. I'm trying to be on TV. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be, that was my main focus. But people were asking me, like, man, you're so good. Like, I want to learn about your style. Mm-hmm. But I remember before I even, you know, came out and started doing professional, I always told myself, because I remember asking some of my guitar giants that I loved, and I didn't get a response and nothing happened. I said, I always promised myself, because I was really butt hurt and I was really on myself. I was like, you know what? When I get to a certain level, I'm gonna teach. And so I was trying to get to that level. But when I got to that level, something clicked for me. I was like, you know what? Now is the time to go ahead and start giving back. So I started out with Skype lessons mm. and realized how fulfilling it was to be able to show somebody. When somebody got one of the riffs that I showed them and I heard them play it, then I was like, oh man, I want this sensation every single it became like my new high. Like I wanted that every single day. And mm. I realized the joy and fulfillment that was in their face. And in their lives, because they got a chance to play something that I've done on guitar. So I wanted to like duplicate that every single day, but I wanted to like create a platform where everybody, when they felt like they could go, like, because I realized Skype and FaceTime was limited. So a lot of people that were trying to get lessons from me were like either in um, Asia or either in like Europe. So the time difference was like killing me, you know, being in an apartment here in LA, my neighbors would be like, Bro, you're great, but you cannot be playing guitar at three o'clock in the morning. Right. You know, like, so I would miss. (laughs) <laughs> I would miss those students that would be on the other side of the world. So I like I had to figure out something different. Mm. But everybody was asking me specifically for R and B. They didn't mm. care about learning how to play guitar. They maybe want to learn, okay, well, how do you start? But they want to be like, I want exactly what you're doing. Mm. So that's when I realized I have something. Even some of the other companies that I did like, you know, lessons for, I would do like a feature for would be like, yo, People wanna learn how to do that, you know, that ear candy, that, that smooth style or that sauce, what they want that. Mm. So I realized that there was a, a niche for that because people are like asking for that, even doesn't matter if I'm on like, you know, playing for another platform or teaching on another platform, people want that. So that's when I was like, okay, I got something. I just need to take the time to really build it so that way people can come there and get everything they need in order to walk away or just stay in there and grow exactly how they want to grow in their craft. With a broke life, how you gon' live it? A life like that too tight, how ain't gonna fit it up? Everybody say you ain't no good.
0: I just tell them you misunderstood. I just tell them how it is when you from the hood. How you ready to get your paper, anyway you could. Cause I ain't never tripping on your really interesting yeah because it's it's funny man i've um i mean I've, I've probably played guitar for i don't know maybe 10 12 years now but um and i've always had an affinity for r and I, I i love blues and jazz and it's kind of where and then other styles kind of created my playing but as far as r and i always knew i had an appreciation for it but i never thought like what if i would just to try to learn those that particular style you know and then like even hearing like yeah. uh r&b songs or just like songs from like usher and then like you know, hearing those guitar lines and those R and B type styles, I'm like, wow! Like, there's, a, there's, like, this makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense a maybe, lot of for sense. someone to, to be like, yeah, like, learn this particular style because I feel like a lot of people, I feel like you're one of the, you're one of the, the biggest instructors that at least I know, at least online, as far mm-hmm. as like teaching that style. So I think that's, re- yeah, it's really cool, man.
1: I mean, it's, it's, it's really relevant. And the thing I, I tell a lot of my students, if you learn this particular style, what I do now is because if if you listen to a lot of my playing depending on if it's a pop song if it's a gospel song if it's r and B, I i try to make uh like i said a pot of gumbo i try to infuse a lot of those different elements so if i'm playing singer songwriter kind of stuff no diminished chords are ever in that kind of stuff mm. but because i know it feels a certain kind of way and if you approach it the right way i may throw it in there so everybody's in that particular audience will be like "Ooh, that's nice i've never heard that before what is that what are you doing right there mm. but for people that know like r&b they'll be like oh man that's a diminished chord like that you know, it makes sense. Right. So the thing is like, you know, you're able to take different kind of genres and kind of cross fuse and make, make like a, a fusion of what they are and just where people would be like, wow, I've never heard that. But the thing is your your approach has to be tasteful. I'm not trying to oversaturate you because it's a singer songwriter gig and you just give you straight R&B chords. Mm. I'm still trying to be specific to the genre. Like I'm playing the open chords if it's needed, you know, or I'm playing the full bar chords or whatever's needed. But then I'm just going to give you like a sprinkle here and there just to, for you to be like, your ears will stand up on your head and be like, Oh, that's nice. I like that. Right. So that's what it teaches about, you know, you want to be genre specific, but now that you have a little, like you can dig in your tool bag, you can actually like, you know, throw out a little extra. It doesn't necessarily go there, Mm. but because you've been doing it for a long time and you understand the, the relationship and you understand the respect for the music, you can put it in there to kind of put some accents on it. So it's like, you're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but you can spray some armor on it and shine it up a little bit.
0: Right. Right. No, that that's that that makes a lot of sense what you say. And then I do like too when you said you want to add sprinkles here and there, but you still want to serve the song at the same time. You know, you're working with another musician. Yeah.
1: Of course. You never want to get away from that. Yeah, you never want to get away from that. Like I, when I first started, I was so excited about playing that I would like I would do that. I would not respect the genre. And they were like, Yo, we, we love the way you play, but we need you to play the chords that are in the song. And I'm like, I am, you know, like that whole, like, you're still young in the game. That's still arrogance. Like I am playing. They were like, nah, if you go back, that's a straight major. We need one of those. We need a straight, we don't need no major sevens. We don't need no sevens. We don't need no nines. Mm. We just need a straight chord. So when I started to understand the relationship of like, okay, if I'm playing this kind of music, let me respect it, but let me find, let me practice in such a way that if I want to be able to kind of throw a little bit of like, you know, R&B flavor in there that I It's not taking away from the song. So that's what I, I would really focus on, like, spend hours upon hours really understanding the relationship and the respect the genre of music to be like, if I put a little something in there, like a little extra, like, garnish, if you will, people would be like, oh, that's nice. Now they're like, oh, man, you ruined this dish. Right. that's what I was doing before. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, bro, like, you, it's like... I know you look Bar- awesome, goddamn, you put too but much... Like, you know, <laughs> put too much bro you just like poured the, all the salt in there like, what are you doing like, it's disgusting
2: <laughs> yeah no, that. that so you had to learn that yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense you know it's funny I wanted to tell you um uh I actually um just to just to see like how you you teach and everything I actually signed up for your your uh I think it was like the mini R&B course uh yeah. just to get an affinity as far as for like how your teaching is, and, and I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, and this as oh, far man, as I appreciate my, it, man. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then it's as, as far as like how you, you know, how, what you start off with, and starting with like the the two lower, you know, the 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 two lower sounding register strings, and right. just mm-hmm. conceptually. um conceptually very interesting you know very interesting very interesting way yeah. in, you know and uh definitely made yeah i just really i thought it was i thought it was really well done you know because i i've I, I, I appreciate yeah it. of course i've seen a lot of instructors and i think a lot sometimes there's a miss on like certain things that are very prominent you know where it's like oh just gotta play yeah. this this and this okay you try it like wait, I, what
1: <laughs> you well, know. No, so, so what happened I mean, honestly man when i first started out i was like because you've been doing it for so long, you forget that when you're teaching, you have to teach in such a way that you can grab your audience. Mm. Like, you know, when you're doing it for a long time, you can overshoot your audience. And so like my staff was like, bruh, that's great. But none of us, like we don't play guitar. None of us can process what you're doing, what you're talking about. Right? You, you gotta like, you gotta dumb it down. You gotta like stop what you're doing and like go back to the basics. And that was hard for me mm. in the initial, cause I, I'd be giving all these lessons. They were like, bruh, like that's, that's not going to work. You've gotta go back to the basics. Mm. So then I started to think about, like, if I'm playing guitar, what are the things that I can walk away with that's going to help me start playing guitar? Like, not immediately, but, like, I can feel comfortable to know what I'm doing. So I wanted to approach it in such a way. I did a lot of research watching other guys that were teaching, realizing I like nuances of what they're doing. But if I was going to approach it and teach it, this is what I would do. So I started making a lot of notes, going back to those notes, reviewing those notes and realizing, like, okay consistently if i'm learning a song this is how i'm approaching this these are the the tools that i think i need in order to start um getting at a certain level where i can approach it to playing every single time and that's really what kind of shape um how i was doing these different lessons and my staff will be like yo that's a great lesson but none of us can play that like so go back they'll tell me that now and be like go back and either if that's not going to be for the advanced course if you're talking about this for beginners none of us know what you're talking about none of us can play it so that's what i'm like okay cool let me go back and really just dissect it in such a way that it's approachable that people can really digest what I'm saying.
0: Nice. Nice. And, and when you said, as far as like being of to kind of like take a step back and really analyze what you're doing, do you feel that that helps you with the music that you create now? Like even just for yourself personally?
1: Of course, Hmm. of course. Like even when it comes to me doing production, right? Hmm. A lot of the production that you hear now, um, most of your producers are not like musicians, musicians. They're Hmm. just like, they can play enough to make the record feel like they know how to make a record feel good, mm. but they're not going to be like, "Oh, you got to add a, a minor seven right here. You should do a minor eleven right here, and then do that trill move." They're not going to tell you all that. Right. They're just going to play a certain kind of chords that, that feel a certain kind of way. So in my production, it made it like stand out more because I was wondering like people would ask me to be on certain records. They were like, "Man, it's cool, but like, can you just you know like not give me so much?" I'd be like, "But you you call me because I can do that," right. and I understand that a lot of producers don't want you to do all of these extra accents. Hmm. And so and understanding that when I have started to teach, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? That's going to be, you know, pronounced on the record. That's enough to make everybody be like, Oh, okay, cool. We know what that is. And that helped me out, especially with my approach when it comes to doing production.
0: Nice. Nice. Very nice. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the music projects that you've collaborated with, with other artists um, specifically with, there is an album um, in 2013 that she worked on called mm-hmm. uh, No Ordinary Conversation. Um, yeah, how was how the experience of working on that um, working on that album? So it was cool. So
1: that I mean, I'm still embarrassed when I hear like back up and like, oh my God. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you play, everybody's like always asking you, like, yo, when's your project coming out? When's your project coming out? So it's one of those things where I was just like, let me just do a project. Mm. If I was going to do one, how would I do it? And for years, I just, I thought that the idea of like, because when you do a project, it's like you it's like you put an ink to paper, like you can't erase it. You know what I mean? Like it's permanent, it's there. So um, I started to just come up with concepts, number one, that I like that I grew up on, stuff that I was like starting to experiment a little bit with or whatever. So it was a, it was a great process. Um, I found myself majority playing guitar and bass on almost everything. Oh, yeah. I hired some other drummers to come in. So it it really helped me grow and realize that like man this is this is more challenging than what it looks like because there's plenty of times you know you're watching sports you sit on the couch you're like oh man like you should have caught the ball you could do da 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 like you're coaching from the couch right. and that's really what I was doing before I started to do this project I'm like man it's easy you go into the studio and do this stuff like blah 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 when I started to do it I was like oh my god I had no idea mm. how difficult this process is yeah. Wow. It was like, it was my first one to kind of get, you know, get a lot of my ideas out. And I realized that, you know, when you're creating this art, it's really like, you're just, you got paint to canvas and you're just, you can make whatever you want to make. Nobody tells you, especially when it's your own situation, what you should make or what you should do. So it was a great process. You know, when I go back, there's, there's some cringeworthy moments on there. i am like, Oh my God, I was just, <laughs> I was too busy in that spot. I should have just let it breathe more. No, I should have done this court, you know, but it's, That's how you grow. You know, like you have to put things out there and realize, oh, cool, this is this is early on in my career. I can definitely tell how my playing has changed, how it's matured and and just see like, you know what, I've grown in my craft so I can appreciate, you know, what I did with no ordinary or or no ordinary conversation. I can appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. And I think, too,
0: from what you said before, you know, as far as the mindset of where you were, where you are can really influence how you play you know right. I think that's an interest I think uh it could definitely apply to that um as well I personally I personally enjoyed it I was a I Oh was, man appreciate it. It. <laughs>
1: appreciate,
0: it, appreciate it um so uh are, is there I mean I I I hate to be one of the other guys they're like when's your next project coming out but when's your next project coming out <laughs>
1: Honestly <laughs> honestly I mean right now the focus has been I've been putting so much focus into Um, building carrie's camp okay there are moments that like you know i want to branch out and do something so um my wife and i are expecting so i know i talked to her about like i was one day i was just randomly playing like this acoustic like a twinkle twinkle little star Mm. and i was like you know what maybe i should do like a an acoustic like lullaby like you know ep or something like that so that's Mm. possibly like the next thing that i'm gonna do Mm. um Especially when this all lifts, because I want the mics, and I want to make sure that my guitars are mic'd properly, especially if it's going to be an acoustic project. Mm-hmm. so That's probably like the next thing I'm going to do. So maybe later on in the year, um, hopefully when, like, you know, social distancing isn't such a, a prominent thing. Right. Um, working on that. But I'm, I'm working out the concepts now. So the way when I get in there to actually record, it's not going to take me five months to do something because I already know exactly how I want to map it out. Right.
0: Well, and, and congratulations, by the way, as far as you guys.
1: Expect. Oh man, appreciate it, appreciate it.
0: Um, I was going to ask you, as far as being, you know, uh, for, for my for myself, you know, being a being a musician and maintaining a uh, substantial su- su- sustainable uh, r- relationship with with your your partner or friend or what have uh-huh. you i always find that to be kind of a tug of war as far as for you know what you know what what can what what how can i do what i how can i do my music stuff and to make my wife happy at the same time like i have sometimes i have those struggles myself i mean how is how has that experience been for you you know uh as far as you know of
1: course you having a wife and i've i've learned a lot like yeah i've learned a lot so like when i When I first started out, my wife and I, when we first met, she already knew that I was playing music professionally. Mm. Um, A day after our wedding, I had to leave for like eight days and had to go to like Malta. I mean, Hungary. Mm. I mean, I literally went everywhere. I was out with Joe and I was out with Lettucey at the same time Mm. before we can come back and even go on our honeymoon. I had to leave before the reception was over with because I had to prepare to get ready to go to the flight. Right. You know, so... Initially in our relationship, I was so me, 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 me. I gotta go do that, I gotta go do it, and not realizing the I needed to, I, balance. Balance was the hard thing for me because I was so like, man, I gotta capitalize my career. Like, I'm getting all these calls now, I gotta go do the da-da-da-da-da. And not realizing the respect of like, you know what, I got another person who I'm sharing this life with and I gotta understand that. Yeah. So like where I'm at now, especially my craft. Like um, the last tour that I was out with, like Keanu day I'd be like, babe, we're gonna be in this particular place. Why don't you come up? And we come to the show, and then you can meet the people out here, or you can come to rehearsal, and you can meet the artists, you can meet whatever. So it's, I'm including the artists like into my family. It's like a, a way that you got to do it. You just can't like ram the, you know your family down the artist's throat. Mm. But if there's a way that you introduce them, so that way, number one, your, your family feels secure, like your wife feels secure about who you're working with, mm. and they're like, you can let them invite them. Like, oh man, we got a show here, da 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 da. You should come through. Like it's and it's, it makes it more of like a kind of family-friendly environment mm. and realizing the balance. They're, um, I know I had a wedding recession before this whole corona thing was going on as in Mexico. And I was like, babe, you should just book a flight and we can all go down. We can make a weekend of it mm. or we can make like a week of it depending on whatever. So it's, it's about like, if you include your family mm. in certain things, they're not going to feel like, well, oh, you, you chose them or you chose whatever your love or whatever you're doing over me. When you get to that weird dynamic, that's going to put a lot of tension on your marriage and on your relationship. So about including them, like, even now, like um, when my wife and I are doing various things or if I got to record something, whatever, I'll be like, she's more into film and, and radio. I, okay. I'm one of those, like, I'll, I could just put a camera up and I don't know if I'm looking at the right thing. I like, babe, can you come in here and make sure that this is adjusted or my lighting is right? It's about including them and making them feel like it's a part. So they're not just like, well, he's in there in that room all the time. He's doing such and such. I don't know what he's doing. I just hear him making music or he's teaching. So it's like, I'm including her in some of the things that I'm doing. Like, yo, is this does this look good? Oh, I got to edit this. I don't know how to do this, but I'm including her into what the process of what I'm doing. Or if I'm like, yo, I'm coming up with ideas. What do you think about this? So they, they feel like they're a part of the process versus like, this is my thing and you can't touch it. You got to do your thing. And when I'm done with doing my thing, then I'll meet you out to do whatever Right. that puts a lot of tension on your relationship. Mm,
0: that's a great response. Yeah, that's a great response. Yeah. That's a great response. And that makes sense as far as that inclusion. It's funny. Cause I, um, I've, uh, the, one of my episodes on my podcast, I have, I have my wife on and, and mainly, mainly, the episode is as far as like, how does it feel to be a musician's wife? And it, and it, um, and it actually was a really good time, you know, it was actually a really good time. Yeah. Cause I'm one, I'm kind of one of those people that's like,
1: it's my craft, you know, but, uh, I, but this I was the same way, trust me, listen, <laughs> I was the same way for years. I was like, man, you, you're in my space. I got to data that, you know, and I didn't realize until one day we had a conversation mm-hmm she was like, like, you don't make me feel included. Like, you know, I've got a background in such and such. And you don't even ask my opinion. Hmm. And I was like, I got, I got in the house help, but I'd rather go outside and just be like, I, this help, I'm char- I'm asking people and they're like charging me crazy amounts of money right. where I can hear and just be like, Hey, like, look at this. And it, it makes us get even closer together. So she knows if I got to go in and do something, she's not like, well, he's in there with his music again. And I got to sit out here on the couch. Right
0: right <laughs> yeah because my my wife she calls my guitar uh sancho so <laughs> he's
1: like oh he's with his
2: sancho i'm like oh no
0: right. <laughs> So
1: that, cool. it, it'll happen it'll happen man so it's just one of those things you got to be more mindful you know about it mm. yeah those things happen man that's real life though you know yeah. what I mean
0: real life. absolutely absolutely um i know you've 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 had a lot of um you've had a lot of questions thrown at you uh, as, as far as just the type of gear you use and whatnot. Uh, but I just kind of mm-hmm. wanted to, to, to ask you as far as just what are, you know, if, if you were, if you were to go to a, um I I don't know, if you were to go to a gig and, and you, and you have like two trusty guitars and maybe two trusty amps, mm. what are some, what what, what would you choose? What would be your preference?
1: Okay. So right now, like my go-to guitar would be, my i have a fender and i have a lsl they're both the same kind of configuration they're hss okay they have the goes in except for the bridge one has a grinder which is a little bit more like melt the paints off the wall kind of like a you know more grungier yeah um especially when you're doing over overdrive and the, one has the crema which is a little bit warmer um i would choose one of those guitars initially and then my second one i'm really in love with my jazz master my iconic guitars like oh nice the tone you know that thing um, and what it can do on stage, and the playability is great. Mm. Um, as far as amps, if my personal preference, my top would be the Bad Cat Links. Mm. Hands down, is probably one of the best amps that I've ever owned, that I've ever played. But a, you know, a second, a close second for me would be the Mesa Boogie Longstar. I would use that um, as my other amp to go to. Those would be like, you know, my if I got a guitar and amp, those would be my my go tos.
0: Nice, nice. Very cool, very cool. And then, um, you know, playing, uh, playing, you know, R and B and whatnot. As far as having having chords, you know, just having chords set and 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 playing them, you know, maybe not so much at a time, but just you know, one chord here, one chord there. Do you tend to use um,
1: a lot of uh, a decent
0: amount of reverb or like a specific reverb pedal that you prefer?
1: Oh, (laughs) reverb. Reverb is my thing, so like, uh, but I want to be tasteful, so I'm not trying to over saturate the room and make it like super wet. Right. Um, a hall reverb for me is great, but I try to make sure that my reverb fits the room. Mm. And like for you know for certain things, so let's say if I'm bringing out my Helix, I have I have it already preset, mm. and then I may back the reverb off the amp a little bit. Okay. Um, so the way like it's, it's tasteful, it's not like you know like your chords are bleeding over because when we hear the mix back, I can tell like oh. I got too much reverb but mm. so i've kind of gotten to a point to where i realized when i'm using certain kind of gear i can tell now if i'm using my, my pedal board with like my stomp boxes now that was a little bit more tricky so i tried to like make sure the decay is not so much to where it's just like it's so lingering in the room that you can't hear anything else mm. so i might almost put it on like almost nothing mm. and just creep it up slowly but surely just to find that sweet spot in the room right right so
0: you said the helix that's your main go-to uh reverb yeah so
1: right now right right now the helix like the helix from line six is kind of like my main pedal board Mm. number one it's user friendly i can throw it in a book bag and i can go my pedal board i have three but my biggest pedal board i tsa for some reason just hates it really (laughs) they will try they will disconnect that thing like I don't know what. Mm-hmm. And so usually for sound check, I'm spending because I'm not like one of these tech guys that know exactly where everything's supposed to go. Right. I'm spending kind of like calling some of my friends, like, yo, this is supposed to be plugging, like I'm looking at the chain, like where does this go? And it's so frustrating. So mm-hmm. for me, I've always wanted to like, you know, make sure that my gear doesn't get tampered with. So the helix, it's like it's like a big computer. So they can't go inside of it and like rip things apart. Right. And generally when I'm on stage, like it's like forty five minutes. So I'm not really concerned about it not sounding ideal because i know stomp boxes have like this sound mm-hmm. and like some most of your digital processors you can get it close but it may not sound as authentic so i've learned how to even uniform comes to my overdrives just to stack them so they can sound like a pedal even you know so it's just like learning how to compromise on certain things and realize what's important what's not what's not a deal breaker for me when i'm playing
0: right right no that that makes a lot of sense it's funny because like starting out you know the the line of pedals i had it was just like it was like i had it's like i had like a small guitar center you know and then slowly but surely years you know the the, as the years go by the smaller the pedals that i
2: have and i'm just like no, i just have what i need i need this 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 and this that's it i was
1: the same way like i mean Um, I had my, the last time I was working with uh, Mason from uh, Vertex Pedals, I think he's known as the rig doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, he was telling me, he's like, bro, like your eyes are bigger than your stomach when we first started. And I was like, no, what you talking about? I need everything. He was like, how often do you play this pedal? And I was like, I don't really play that. He's like, how often do you play this pedal? So that's when I realized I need to condense what I'm doing Mm. and make like, you know, like a flight rig. So that way, like when I get ready to do these one-offs, I'm, I'm not using all, I'm not carrying all this extra weight. I'm only carrying what I need. The, if you would have never said that to me, I'm like, I would have been thinking like the bigger the pet, the pedal board, the better it is. Like, that's what you need all this gear. And and when it came down to it, you really didn't need all those things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like one of the big themes, um, you know, with, with, uh, as far as for, you know, sharing your story, I feel like a lot, one of the big themes around, just kind of when you're becoming a professional musician is really being able to, to take constructive criticism, um, of course. you know, and I, uh, at, at which I, I, you know, I've, I've realized later, you know, later on over the years, as far as it's, you know, working with different people in different projects, it's, it's such an important thing to at least have that vulnerability where you're hearing someone else's uh,
1: opinion. That comes, with maturity. that comes with maturity and understanding, like, if you want to get better in your craft, you're gonna to have to take some corrective criticism. That's just a part of the game. You know, a lot of times I watch a lot of sports documentaries and even like, you know, Michael Jordan or people that I aspire to wanna to be like when I was looking, watching Kobe um, before he passed, like watching all his interviews. And they talked about like there's an, a level of attention to detail and having people correct you on things. And that's how you get better. Mm. And so, in understanding that and watching that, because I, I tell a lot of people a lot of times, if you really wanna become a good musician, and understand like what it takes to be great watch sports interviews and watch like you know behind the stories and what it takes the diligence for them to be at five o'clock in the morning granted we don't have to get them at five o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. and put up shots but just that uh, attention to detail of like really working on your craft eating right you know for us doing those things so like you know that's going to make us better like practicing this lick like 50 times until you can't get it wrong you know that kind of stuff and that kind of attention to detail somebody watching you and be like you know what you're not playing that chord as clean as you could be like you could probably do this transition or whatever and i realized if you want to be great that's what you that's what it takes in order to be great
0: Hmm. that's that's really good advice i think we kind of walked into an interesting conversation so as far as you being a guitar instructor you know you're teaching teaching people some great knowledge for yourself Uh on a day-to-day basis i mean do you have a type of um do you do you practice certain things like on a consistent basis do you like wake up say okay tuesday is gonna be you know this type of drill or 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 this day i'm gonna listen and play listen to a song and play this like do you have a certain structure for yourself as far as you
1: bring? yeah so um yeah so before before the whole like social distancing if i knew i had a tour if i had a gig coming up Mm -hmm. but like during let's say let's say the gig was on on thursday Mm -hmm. um i'm spending that whole time Like if I got like eight songs I need to learn, like I'm using like the first day to learn the first four songs. Mm. I'm using the second day to learn the next four songs. I'm using that third day to work everything down. You know what I mean? Like I'm starting to work on, okay, like I I know the chords, but now where can I add a hammer on here in order to make it stand out and be a little bit more tasteful? Now I'm working on just massaging it to where I know it. Mm. So that's what I would do if I was working on like a gig. Now, if I'm working on just random stuff, then one day I might have a, like I tell my, my students a lot of times, you got to give yourself a space to be creative because music is so structured. Mm. Sometimes you just got to have a, mo- a, a moment to where you can just throw paint on the walls and it doesn't matter what it looks like. Mm. So maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes, I may get like a, a random like instrumental and I'm just, I'm soloing. I'm not even trying to be like, I'm just trying to experiment. I'm trying to throw stuff out there and see if it sticks. If it sounds cool. What I always do is I try to record myself so I can go back and look at the footage and be like, I did this real cool lick, but I don't remember what it was. And that's what kind of prompted me to start recording myself. Um, but then I can look at myself and be like, well, you know what? You open your mouth really, really weird when you do certain things. Like, let's <laughs> not do that. <laughs> or you make this weird face when you do whatever, <laughs> let's not do that. Or like, you know, or you look like you're like, you're struggling as you transition from chord to chord. I started looking at the nuances of all of the stuff. Mm. And so that's what I really focus in on. And then if there's an area that I'm weak in, like let's say it's a song that I tried to learn, but I'm not really cool at like switching between chords, mm-hmm. then I'm going to focus in on just, you know, I have to loop those three chords together to like get it locked in how I want it to feel. So uh, I've over the years, I've, I've worked on trying to structure my, you know, practice routines to work on areas that I'm weak in in order to re- get them as sharp as possible. I'm not really concerned about like, Oh, you got to do scales for 20 minutes you got to do chords <laughs> for 20 minutes like the time frames for me like i've let that go off the window because you're setting this expectation well as soon as the clock dig, dings i got to go to the next thing and you may not have gotten it as solid as you're supposed to get it you right. know what i mean so i try not right
0: makes a lot of sense no that makes that makes yeah. perfect sense that makes perfect sense yeah so it seems like the main thing is just kind of focus really hone in on what you really want to learn you know and then yeah around. definitely nice nice um one of the a couple of last questions that i had for you um as far as for just some some music that's that's been out what are some things that you're currently listening to right now that you enjoy
1: um so I, i'm a huge fan of Moonchild, mm. uh, so I, I go back and listen to some of their records um one of the artists that i'm playing with now is Keanu leday i'm a huge fan of her so i'm going back to listen to some of her music she just um she's dropping a new album um I believe it's on the 13th. Don't get me, don't quote me, it might be wrong, but I know it's dropping in April. So I'm like, yeah. I'm listening to a lot of her new music. Um, and then I just go, I go back through. There's things from Snarky Puppy that I love that I go back and I'll just be like, man, I should definitely get on that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I should definitely listen to that. And even the stuff that was coming out with Bieber, Bieber put out some stuff that I was just like, I think that that's super cool. Mm. Um, and then I, I downloaded some stuff from Foreign Exchange. I, I like Foreign Exchange. Oh, a great. Movie. Yeah. So I mean, I go back through and I listen to a lot of different things. And then, uh, for me, what I've also started to do too was like listen to like some Afro kind of um, beat kind of music. Like well, I did this one gig in um, Costa Rica and then it's like really got a lot of Afro beat kind of like influence. Mm. And I was like, this sounds really good. I'm not really strong in that. I don't I don't even know this music. So I started to download a lot of different things that had that kind of vibe to it and start really working on that guitar approach because maybe I could use it in a record mm. or maybe I can use it to like and add it to my playing. So I'm always looking for things that are going to like stretch me in such a way that I, I may not necessarily be doing that right now, but I want to add it to my playing. So, yeah, those are some of the areas that I want to focus in on and some of the areas that I was like listening to um, in order to get myself just as solid as I, I can possibly be as a guitar player. Nice.
0: Very cool. Very cool, Carrie. Too smooth, Marshall. So, uh, yeah, appreciate before it, appreciate before, it. before we um before we leave here, I wanted to give you the opportunity to plug anything that uh, is coming up for you as far as Carrie's camp, or just plug anything that you want as far as your
1: socials. Yeah, you know, what's coming up? So, go ahead. So, with Carrie's camp, um, what we do now is what I've talked to my staff is we're letting people try it for seven days. Like, you can test it out for seven days and see, like, if it's something you like. Um. And it's one of those, when you go to Costco, you, you know, people are giving you samples of stuff. You'd be like, oh, that's really good or, or not. Nah, that's not my thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we're, I'm at a place in my career where I can, I can allow people to like, you know, test out the product. And if you really want to learn R&B, if you want to learn from a person that has like years of experience that has played at a certain level and has credibility with a, a lot of different artists that probably played for some of your favorite artists, I would love to be that person. So um, it's carriescamp.com, It's K-E-R-R-Y-S-K-A-M-P.com. And you literally, you try it out for seven days and I have over 500 courses and we're always adding new material. One of the things I tell people is a great selling point is every month we do a live Q&A and I answer everybody's questions, even if you're not available. Well, now I think people start to be a little bit more available when people were working. Um, you could pre-record your question or send your question in and I will record it and we make it available for all of those students. that may have missed the live Q&A. I answer every question and also teach you a lesson which is something that you don't necessarily get with a lot of online teaching. Um, I know the importance of like, if you have a question, you want your question answered and all of the stuff that I'm playing, I'm giving it to you. Like, I'm not shortchanging you and be like, well, I do this, but you should do this. (laughs) I'm not one of those guys. If I play this and you want to learn how to play it, I'm going to show you specifically what I'm doing. Even with the song request, I'm showing you like how I hear the song, but it's actually in the song. But if I was playing it, you know, I'll show you like some of the stuff that I would do in the song to add a little bit more flavor. I'm always showing you exactly what I do. So Um, that's one of the main things that I I definitely want to push is Carrie's camp. Once all this lifts and you know, the COVID-19 and we figure out like, I'm sure like if you're going to my social media, if you follow me at Carrie Two smooth, K E R O Y the number two S M O O T H on social media, on Instagram or whatever it is, when we hear about various dates or whatever, I'm sure I'm post that and you'll be able to see. I think it's probably gonna be a free for all with everybody trying to run and do, <laughs> go on tour, but you'll you'll see those things. So that stuff well, I'm sure it'll happen in in the near future. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, Care Too Smooth Marshall, it's been great pleasure and honor to speak with you today. Thank you so much, man.
1: Man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I seriously, I appreciate it. I'm a super
0: humble man. Of course, of course. Uh, any, anytime. Uh, well, there you have it, folks. Uh, my, again, my name is Jerrell Powell on the 440 Guitar Podcast. You will hear from me soon, and have a good day. Shout out to all my ladies Getting that paper
1: Go, go, get your cash mm-hmm. Everybody want to know how you get it.
0: Then they want to know how you gon' spend it. With a broke life, how you gon' live it. A life like that too tight. How we gon' fit it up. Everybody say you ain't no good. I just tell them you misunderstood.